The Shy and Mighty podcast is on a softly spoken mission to help shy people be more mighty. Shy people don't need fixing. We don't need to change who we are. But in a world filled with noise and hot air, it's time for us to speak up and stop hiding. Hello and welcome to Shine Mighty with me, Nadia Finer. And today I'm joined by, um, a, frankly, a bit of a hero of mine, um, Mark <laughs> Metry. Mark Metry, who's here to talk to us about shyness. And he's the author of Screw Being Shy. And I've been kind of cyber-stalking him a little um, <laughs> over the past few months since I began my... Uh, my foray into the world of shyness and um, watching him do some amazing work um, with his um, podcast and also now with his book. So I'm going to hand over to Mark so he can tell us a bit more about himself and what he does um, um, in his work and how he helps shy people. Hey Nadia, thank you so much for for having me on your podcast. I uh, I love the platform that you've built, and I really do think that we just need to have more conversations about shyness because uh, a lot of people go through it, and depending on their you know interpretation, perception, maybe even severity of shyness, it can um, you know place a lot of boundaries on someone's life. And so personally, for me when I look at everything that I'm doing today, it's almost like the opposite of what I try to make my life when I was just like 18 years old, which was not that you know long ago. And what I mean is for the first 18 years of my life growing up, and I'm 22 today, I literally spent every day trying to hide from the world. I wanted nobody to know who I was. I didn't want anybody to know my story. I never really kind of spoke up for myself. I never really stood up for myself. And I just sort of followed what I sort of call society's invisible script of kind of telling people what they should do based on what other people have done, but not based on what you want to do. And today, whether it's through my podcast or my book or uh, whenever I go to a speaking event or the Amazon Prime documentary series I'm on, it's literally all about just trying to speak about my story and not just what I've really been through, but for people to use me as a guide if they you know, maybe place themselves in the bucket of maybe they think that they are a little bit too much introverted. Maybe they think they are a little uh, too shy. Maybe they even have social anxiety. And so I kind of went through this period of my life. And, you know, one is I didn't even know that this was happening while it was happening. I didn't even know what social anxiety was. And number two, it was so hard to talk about because, you know, what I've learned is for people who actually are extremely shy, maybe even those who have social anxiety, this can seem like a harmless problem. Like someone who maybe sees this from the outside, maybe is like, oh yeah, you know what? So what? You're a little bit shy. And you know, there's nothing wrong with being shy. Shyness is a completely natural human emotion. But for those people who feel like it is controlling their lives, 
it's an extremely serious problem because eventually it leaks into every area of your life. It starts affecting your self-esteem, which starts to affect your self-worth, which affects how you perceive yourself in the world, which absolutely begins to affect your relationships. And, you know, for example, you look at a study that was done by Harvard that followed people around their entire life. And one of the main factors of living a happy and fulfilled life was having deep, intimate relationships. And on top of that, when you look at social anxiety, it's also, at least in America, it's the most common anxiety condition. And it is also the most correlated to substance abuse, as well as social isolation, which are both correlated to suicide. And personally, for me in my life, when I was 18, I fell down a dark path where um, I gained a tremendous amount of weight. I was obese and my lifelong social anxiety turned into social isolation. And I got depressed for the first time in my life. And there was a point where I was even suicidal. And so I kind of saw all these things play out in my own life firsthand. And when I kind of like lifted my head up off the fog, and as I've been on this journey for the last four or five years, I've really realized that this is an extremely serious problem for some people. And yet it's almost kind of like camouflaged and under disguise as being an introvert. And again, nothing wrong with being an introvert. Being an introvert is potentially a superpower or it's disguised as someone just saying, oh, you know what? You're just, uh, you're just a little shy. And there are definitely people who you know, are a little bit shy. Some people grow out of it. Some people don't. Uh, and there's the group of people who are extremely shy and can never show up as themselves uh, in the world. And so when I kind of took a look at this, I was like, I have to write this book because, um, you know, there are a lot of great books about this kind of around this kind of thing, but I just didn't see one that had my perspective, uh, the different tools that I talk about and different perspectives and mental models that someone can, can pick up. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. I love talking about this stuff. So yeah, it's, it's funny we have um, we have a lot in common and we have much to discuss. And you've raised already some really interesting points there. So first of all, it seems to me there's these different kind of extremes of shyness. So like you mentioned, mm. a little bit shy or very very shy, heading towards social anxiety. Um. And then more extreme, kind of leading into depression and, and isolation, mm. etc. So, what? Where did it start for you? Um, would you say? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what I've learned, and um, a friend of mine who's a clinical psychologist, uh, Ellen Hendrickson in uh, Boston University. Um, she, um, I mean, she wrote a, she wrote like a, um, what's it called? A blurb, an endorsement for my book. And what I learned from her is that the difference between shyness and social anxiety is that social anxiety is not random. Like you don't just wake up one day and you're like, wow, I have social anxiety. Whereas shyness can, you know, it, it, it has a lot of different factors from your genetics to your environment to just like your personality to who you are. But social anxiety is something that is usually triggered by an event, by some sort of a, a scenario. Uh, usually this happens around the age of 10, 11. And, you know, this can be, it really depends, but this can be from, you know, maybe your, 
parents get divorced and you have to move schools to go to a new school and you, you feel kind of alienated and you're not relating to other people. Um, but personally for me, I always grew up as sort of an introvert. I always grew up sort of being a little bit shy. Um, but for me, when that took a sharp right turn into social anxiety was when I was a young person and uh, I was from second grade to third grade. And my parents and I, my family and I, we moved out of the city into a small town. And this small town had 5,000 people in it. And the really interesting part about this town was that um, there was uh, no racial diversity whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And my parents and I, we immigrated from, from Egypt. And this was also in America, the time of post 9-11. And so I kind of was moved to this environment where nobody looked like me. There was a ton of um, racism, uh, abuse, bullying that I faced at a pretty young age. And although I didn't know this was happening at the time, uh, because like there's that quote that says, you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. This for me was the beginning of me having social anxiety, where all of a sudden, you know, every single classroom that I would walk into, every time I would walk through the hallways, my brain would tell me to look down, to not speak up because people don't want to hear from me, that my opinion and, and my worth is not valuable and I should just never talk again. And that for me was um, the beginning of my social anxiety onset. And how did that feel when you were felt so kind of judged and, and disliked, I guess, in that way, to, to walk around as a kid in school and feel like you can't even speak. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I mean, now I look at it, Nadia, and I'm like, how did I, like, how did I even get through that? Because, yeah. you know, there was so much, there's so much to, to unpack there. But one of the main things was that I had a real sense of, like, just internal shame about my character, about who I really was, because, you know, one of the things that I was being judged for was my race, was the color of my skin. And you can't change that. You know, you're, you can't choose your race. And so that was a, a major part of it. But really, I mean, it, it really just kind of set me down this rabbit hole to where, you know, at, you know, at first I could maybe like participate to people or participate in a in like a conversation to maybe say something to where it just got to the point where it was worse and worse and worse to the point where I didn't really participate in any kind of group or club or sports. I didn't really have any friends as a result of that. I maybe hung out with like one or two people at my school that, you know, were also shy and we also didn't really talk to each other to almost, um, you know, give the illusion that I had friends, even though I, I didn't really. And, um, and yeah, I mean, ultimately, uh, it was terrible because, you know, the, the, the outside perception of, of having social anxiety or, or, you know, if people want to say it's the same as being shy or very shy, um, you know, that, you know, that from the outside can make it seem like you are just maybe a little bit hesitant or nervous to speak up in social situations. And like I said before, um, you know, this problem eventually begins to translate to every area of your life. And so for me, like, I mean, I, 
I had so many terrible problems uh, falling asleep. Like I remember I, like as a kid, I would try to close my eyes and my brain would give me thoughts of like, you know, just replaying like all the social interactions that I had that day and like regretting what either I wish I could have said or maybe something that I said that I sort of reacted to out of uh, instinct, out of fear and regretting that. And I would literally just be in that for like four, five, six hours. And so, yeah, I mean, it was extremely, extremely detrimental. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it just placed like an infinite amount of boundaries on my life. And obviously it's not the only problem that I had, but, but this to me is kind of like, you know, I think that everybody in life when they're born or maybe just through their set of experiences is almost handed like a, a card that mm-hmm. they are dealt by life. And this for me was a major card that I feel like I was dealt. And, you know, honestly, like, you know, the, the whole name of my book, Screw Being Shy and, and whatnot, um, for sure, it's absolutely about shyness. It's absolutely about social anxiety. It's definitely about mental health. It's definitely about transformation. But I think more importantly is I wanted this book to really be like an unlocker, like where, you know, really because, you know, for me is, you know, I'm a speaker and I remember like after I would finish speaking, you know, sometimes people walk up to you and they ask you questions. You know, some of them are very kind of like generic and pointless, like, hey, what, you know, what's, what's your best advice to an entrepreneur or something like that? But then I would realize, I would see this section of people who would walk up to me who, you know, were e- extremely shy. You know, maybe they were very soft-spoken or maybe, you know, while they were trying to talk to me, they didn't make eye contact or I could kind of hear their throat tighten up and they would have to like restart what they were saying the same exact way um, that I sort of used to be. And they would ask me like, hey, Mark, how did you go from someone who literally couldn't even talk to people to being able to stand on a stage and literally talk about your vulnerability and your insecurities and a lot of like deep life issues in front of hundreds or a thousand people. And it's not like I could just give them an answer in like three tips in like five minutes. (laughs) And so I was like, I need to make this book because there are so many people out there that have so much potential in them to change the world, to change people's lives. But some of these people are plagued by social anxiety and it's placing so many boundaries on their life. And I know for me, the real sort of trap about this whole thing is that when I was going through this period as a kid and young adult, I I didn't even know that this was real. And I just thought that I was some sort of a moral failure. I thought that I was just born wrong. And until I actually realized that I had social anxiety and I began to Google it, I was like, wow, this is a real like scientific thing in my brain. And it's not like a a character failure. This is just more or less like a a biochemical scientific phenomenon. And so, um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I kind of, you know, think that this is so, so important to, um, to talk about. (laughs) And I think um, what you said there about realizing that, that was what's going on is um, is a huge step and it's incredibly important and that's why I do this work you're either in your book um, if we can help people to understand and to become aware of 
the reason why they're experiencing what they are, then I believe that we can go on to help people on a deeper level. You know, personally, mm. well, I'm a lot older than you. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, it, it took me a really, I, I didn't understand um, what was going on until, you know, fairly recently even. Mm. Um, I lived through um, teenage and kind of young adulthood, I guess, without really being able to um, kind of explain why I felt, and you mentioned boundaries. Mm. For me, it's sort of, it feels like restrictions or resistance, like you're walking around with this feeling that you want to achieve something, but there's something holding you back and you can't Mm. even explain why or what it is. And it wasn't until quite recently that I, started to really dig into it and understand what was going on and I I I think for me like you mentioned regrets as well Mm. and how you would go over the day and try you know and and run through things and obviously you were experiencing things on a much more severe level than I ever did but the regret for me partly is that I didn't understand what was happening to me and why Mm. I felt the way I did and if we can help people to understand that and therefore do something about it before they've lived 20 years dealing with something I mean that would be good right um rather yeah. than you know just trying to, just feeling like you're other or different or not right or there's something wrong with you or um, you're a bit broken somehow um yeah there's a way to help people then I think that we you know we we're doing a really good thing and you mentioned I think when someone comes up to you at the end of a, a talk isn't it brilliant that they feel comfortable someone who's nervous or shy and they feel able to come up and talk to us afterwards mm. I think that's a fantastic thing that we've given them the confidence and the, they feel able to do that because I, I bet you that's probably the first time they've ever done that yeah yeah and it's uh it's honestly so surreal because like whenever i experience that and it happens all the time i like i just literally flash back to the time where i used to uh be just like that and it it just makes me kind of realize and almost like see myself within them and i think they also see themselves within me and I think that that is, is really a major part of it, right? Like, I think this is, you know, shyness, social anxiety is really, I mean, it's just like an, uh, an issue, just like any other uh, mind issue. And there's a lot of them. But I obviously think that, you know, big reason as to why we maybe haven't necessarily heard about this is because, you know, generally speaking, people who are shy and have social anxiety don't really talk about um these things right (laughs) Um, we're too shy we've got we have the whole interaction going on in our head and i think it doesn't occur to us sometimes to actually well firstly that you know maybe people aren't aware of what's happening and secondly it's yeah it's the irony you don't the great irony of of being shy is that you don't feel able to speak up so i think it's why it's one of those things it's not something which has been you know i think when susan kane wrote quiet um Mm -hmm. introverts 
kind of started to come forward and own it and really right. talk about introversion as a power and as something which you know you're proud of the way you are but shy people it's always I think still being considered as um as uh, almost a, a problem something that needs mm. fixing um and, and hopefully we can start kind of increasing awareness of it um I'm intrigued yeah. to know from you whether you think that social anxiety is something which kind of happens to you um because it to my mind shyness is part of who you are it's your personality yeah. but then do you think is that the same as social anxiety or do you think you're just more susceptible to it if you're shy it, you know what are the yeah. how how do you consider those two things kind of slotting together yeah, that's a that's a great question, Aya. And what I would say is that shyness uh, is a one hundred percent a sort of a part of your personality. And uh, some people, um, you know, maybe just learn more about themselves. Maybe they realize, oh wait, I'm not actually shy, and maybe they end up being less shy as they um, get older. But what I've really learned, Nadia, is that social anxiety is actually a uh, coping response to psychological trauma. And what I mean is that, you know, what social anxiety really is, is, you know, you kind of, you walk into a room, you walk into some sort of a social situation, and maybe because you experience a traumatic event, your brain has sort of built in this defense mechanism that says, hey, we are going to keep Mark safe and alive. Because, you know, a major part of my book is looking at the brain. It's looking at neurochemistry. And we know that our brain's number one job is, isn't really about to keep us happy. It's not really about to necessarily keep us confident. The number one job of the brain is to keep you to survive. And so for someone who has social anxiety, that's often a response to a traumatic event. And, you know, by traumatic event, that does not necessarily mean you know, you were, you know, you were, you know, assaulted or molested or, or anything extremely severe like that. It can be something, you know, more subtle. Like for me, where, you know, I faced in many different scenarios over the course of uh, a few years of where I, you know, felt a lot of racism, abuse, bullying. There were situations where I was in like a social gathering and I was like made fun of by my teacher made fun of like in front of the entire room. And so these events uh, can definitely essentially trigger your nervous system to pause, to freeze. And what I mean is for someone who experiences this, they walk into some sort of a social situation and, you know, their, their mind starts telling them, you know, this sort of dialogue that I ran through before of, you know, you're a loser. Nobody wants to talk to you. You should not make eye contact, look down, find a safe spot in the back of the room or something. And then they'll sit down and, you know, maybe they will all of a sudden feel their legs start to tap. Uh, they might feel like their heartbeat is beating at 10 million miles an hour. Maybe their palms, their armpits, their forehead start sweating and they start to feel a rise in, in temperature. Their throat starts to clench. And so that's what happens when someone has social anxiety. But the real problem, quote unquote, is that 
you know, I remember many times where I would walk into a room and my brain wouldn't necessarily have socially anxious thoughts, but my brain would walk into a room and sit down and all of a sudden I would feel my legs start tapping. I would feel my throat clench. I would feel a raise in temperature. I would feel my heartbeat start to race at 10 million miles an hour. And then my mind would look at my body as my body is showing the physical signs of anxiety. And then my mind starts to be, uh, starts to have socially anxious thoughts. And so what social anxiety is, is like, it is this real almost like mind body feedback loop that strips you away from your free will. And the reality is, is like, I, I still think I'm a very social person. Like even when I was growing up as a kid, but there were about almost 10,000 instances in, in a day where I would want to talk to somebody, but my brain, my nervous system, my body would just simply not let me. And the thing to realize is that, you know, I don't actually, like the way that I sort of view this now is that I don't actually think that I have social anxiety. I think my brain has a tendency to be socially anxious. Yeah. And what I mean by that is social anxiety is not, is not like a new thing. Social anxiety is actually one of the most primitive, ancestral, primal fears that we have as human beings. And I remember on my podcast, I was interviewing um, this guy named Seth Godin. And this guy's like oh, a marketing him. business titan. He's such, yeah. he's like, he is like my marketing guru hero person. <laughs> yeah, I, he, he's the best. And I've also had like different kinds of, uh, I've also had like a Stanford professor and some other um, like human uh, ancient biologists come on my show. And they talk about this fact that, you know, in our brains, what, what our brains equated uh, as being, you know, survive, like as being able to survive was being in some kind of a group. Because, you know, if you lived 600, 700, 800, 900 years ago, it's a very different world than the world we have today. You know, we were, much, we were mostly in, you know, small groups, tribes, villages. And if you, you know, try to live life on your own, you would probably, you know, run out of food in the forest. You'd probably get killed by an animal. You'd probably get kidnapped by a tribe. A uh, very different world than today. And so our brains equated me being safe is equal to me being in a group. And so a very common punishment of ancient human civilizations was uh, social exile, was if you speak up against... Uh, the leader of your tribe or against the, you know, I don't know, administration or leadership group, then a punishment would be to kick you out. And so for some people, that part of our brain is still very much active. It's telling you like, hey, if you say this one thing, you are going to get kicked out. And oftentimes it has to do with a, a past traumatic event, usually um, in your sort of younger uh, self, where your brain learned that this social anxiety thing is a mechanism that I can use to defend myself, to be uh, alive. When in reality, you know, probably not the same thing. You know, I remember when I was 18, and let's say the 18 year old version of myself just heard everything that I just said, 
I would have said that's that's full of crap. <laughs> this guy doesn't know <laughs> what he's talking about. And the really the reality is is that I didn't actually know I had uh, a traumatic event because what I've learned is that your brain will actually hide parts of your memory that don't really match up the story that your ego is trying to to tell you to be. And you know the best definition of social anxiety that I have found is also from my friend, Dr. Ellen Hendrickson. And she says that social anxiety is a perceived deficiency where someone thinks that they have to almost like substitute or compensate to make up for their their anxiety about their physical appearance, about their social skills, about their character themselves. Because if they don't feel like they can um, compensate or make up for it somehow, then other people will judge or mock them. And so I remember a massive part of this was it almost like it seems so weird now because this is very much, um, you know, a thing of the past for me, at least in terms of social anxiety. I'm definitely still shy at times and, and that's normal. But the real interesting part about it is I almost felt like I was trying to hide everything to the world about myself, like even the most simplest things that didn't even matter. And it goes back to that definition of it it is this perceived deficiency that, that may or may not even be real, that someone is trying to make up for because their brain tells them, if you don't try super hard, then people are gonna judge you and mock you. And so that's the way that I sort of break it down and, and conceptualize it. But for sure, people who have a tendency to be more introspective, that are introverts, that maybe are naturally shy, they definitely have a much more uh, likelihood to be susceptible to social anxiety. But just because you are shy, it does not mean that you have social anxiety. And again, social anxiety is like this real nervous system feedback loop that is constantly engaging in this fight or flight emergency response that literally strips you of of your free will. And so that's the best way that I think about it, if that made sense. Yeah, that does make sense. I mean, I'm so sad that you had that experience as a kid. And I think as um, as a mum, I feel very kind of upset for you that you had that experience. And I kind of wish I'd been around to go and smash some heads together and go, leave, <laughs> leave him alone. <laughs> um Anyway, how um, how would you recommend that somebody um, might move past that loop? That yeah. How can you perhaps um, if you're you're listening to this and you're thinking actually I am experiencing some of the things that Mark is talking about? It goes beyond shyness. Um, I'm experiencing the physical symptoms, and I think mm. I have social anxiety. Um, what can what can we do to to um, to perhaps um, quieten some of these um, yeah. symptoms and experiences? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, before I answer that, to to address what you said, you know, obviously, you know, if I could, you know, if I could talk to the twelve year old version of myself, I would definitely be sad for him too. But um, 
but you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm still here. You know, I lucky, I'm lucky that I didn't take my own life compared to, um, you know, 850,000 people every year that commit suicide. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, I'm, I'm also extremely grateful for going through what I went through, of course, after the fact, because, you know, a lot of people ask me this and they, they ask me like, you know, did, did anybody around you notice? Like, did your parents notice? And, you know, I have an extremely loving family. Um, you know, I, I actually had a lot of people in my community that really loved me and were extremely friendly. But the thing, what, the thing is that a lot of people didn't even know that this was going on. And that's the real problem that I would say when it comes to social anxiety is that yeah. a lot of us are hiding these problems. And like in terms of mental health in general, I mean, there's enough stigma. You know, it's hard enough for like the average person that goes through a different mental health issue to talk about it. But specifically people with social anxiety, they feel like they can never let the world in on this. And I think that in and of itself is the real problem per se that blocks a lot of people from healing and kind of growing past this. But, yeah. you know, but, I think probably the but, biggest thing, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, that's why we're here. Me yeah. and you doing the work that we're doing. And if, you know, if you're listening to this and you feel like you want to reach out, but you can't, or that there's, there's something stopping you, I would just say, we know what it's like. We've experienced mm. these things too, and we're here for you. That's why you know, you've written your book, um, I have my podcast, and you can totally message us. We, you know, we're yes. here for you. And um, even if you just say hi, um, you don't have to tell us everything um, that's going yeah. on, but know that we are, we're here for you. We, we will listen or just um, be there for you. So don't feel like yeah. you're alone or that you're the only person going through the things that you're going through because you really are not. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's what wakes me up every day in the morning, gets me out of bed. But uh, but yeah, no, there there are literally, um, I don't know what the exact number is, but at, at a conservative estimate, there are tens of millions of people uh, that go through this. And so you're definitely uh, not alone. And um, and yeah, I mean, just like some general tips that someone can sort of begin to look at if they have social anxiety. Um, you know, number one is. You know, if you look at a study that was done by Stanford University that uh, followed people throughout their lives that had social anxiety, they, you know, kind of going back to the beginning of this conversation, they realized that a lot of them had substance abuse problems or they had social isolation problems and or they, generally speaking, had, um, I forget what the word they used, but they had basically poor careers in the sense of for someone who really does face this to the ability that it is controlling their life, you're probably not going to choose a career that you want to do. You're probably going to choose a career that is probably going to involve you doing an extremely limited amount of speaking. And it's probably just not really what, what sort of gets you going deep down. And on top of that, there's the whole poor relationships aspect. And in that same study, they found that uh, meditation was um, equally, if not more effective at treating social anxiety 
than some forms of medication and uh, therapy. And so obviously it's not one or the other, but you know, if you haven't meditated already, it's extremely, extremely important for social anxiety because, you know, a lot of people have different perceptions around meditation. Some people think it's to, you know, get you to relieve stress or to get you to be more focused. And those are definitely the, the side effects, I would say, of meditation. But when you meditate, what you're really doing is you're closing your eyes and you're disconnecting from the external environment. And the way that our nervous system has been set up since we were kids is that we form these connections between the outside world and the inside world. And a lot of the times, this has to do with a lot of our psychological trauma of basically me making a connection of when people look at me this way, on the inside, it makes me feel ashamed or it makes me feel shy. Um, When I am sad or I am depressed, I'm going to eat a cookie because I have learned that that is what calms me down. And so we make a lot of these connections uh, throughout our lives. And social anxiety is, is a major part of that. And so when you're able to sit down and disconnect from the external environment, it's almost as if like if you're charging your phone and you know, you, you're, you're the iPhone and you have a cable and it's connected to the wall socket. The wall socket is the outside world and it's always giving you data of who you should be, of what's going on in your iPhone. But if you're able to disconnect that for even a short amount of time, whether that's 10 minutes or 15 minutes, your brain eventually ends up creating the space to form new connections. And so meditation, you know, personally for me has been extremely, extremely Uh, beneficial for managing my social anxiety. Number two thing that I would say is that when you actually begin to look at like the scientific literature that talks about social anxiety, a lot of the times um, this key neurotransmitter uh, comes up in the conversation and that is serotonin. And I'm sure a lot of people know, have heard of, of serotonin. It's talked about in sort of both the, the mental health communities and also the leadership communities as well. And serotonin is a neurotransmitter that does a lot of things in our, in our body and brain from regulating our mood to regulating some aspects of our hunger, uh, regulating parts of our like sexual desire, our sleep. And it turns out only 5-10% of serotonin is located in our brain. The rest is located in this ecosystem of trillions of bacteria called the gut microbiome that is between our stomach and intestines that I definitely never learned about in no school. Way. But I could, yeah, I but, would never guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh right? I was right? thinking, what's he going to say? Where's the serotonin? Is it in your, maybe it's in your feet. Maybe that's where you want to run away. No, but it's, it's crazy because 90 to 95% of serotonin is in our gut microbiome. And there are nerves that directly connect your brain to your gut. And so they've shown that if your gut is having problems, if it's having issues, the main two causes of that, number one, are kind of going back to the beginning of, a car, of our conversation of psychological trauma, of our nervous system being shifted. And then all of a sudden, your nervous system is now in this chronic stress state of always fight or flight. That amount of stress will ruin your gut microbiome. The second one 
is your dietary choices. And so, you know, I don't necessarily think it's, it's, it's enough to say, oh, just eat a healthy diet. Because the truth is, is there's no such thing as a universal healthy diet. But the really interesting part about this is that, you know, for example, like if you look at Europe, the European Union, um, you guys have banned about 500 different uh, food chemicals, artificial yeah. flavorings, preservatives. But the really bad part about that is if you walk into an American grocery store, yeah. all of those same ingredients are there. And so yeah. that is a major, major problem. And I actually recall to when, like at the beginning of my life, when I first got social anxiety, I also began to experience other physical health issues like asthma, issues with my skin, uh, ADHD, uh, insomnia, issues with my bladder, with my gastrointestinal system. And the really interesting part about this was after I kind of like went on this whole journey of trying to get healthier and trying to really heal and manage my social anxiety, I remember going back to my doctor's and then running a, a bunch of different kinds of tests on me for sort of the other physical health issues that I had. And they were like, you know, everything that you were showing symptoms and signs for is completely gone. You don't have to take this, uh, this medication anymore. And so what I learned is it is really all uh, connected. And so what I would say to people is definitely do your own research on meditation from the psychological aspect, not just it relieving stress from you, although that is part of it. And then number two is take a look at sort of the foundational, like under the hood biochemistry of what's going on in your brain, especially in terms of that serotonin neurotransmitter. And just do your own research on that because I guarantee you those will be two massive needles that are going to move and kind of help you through this at a, at a bigger level. And, you know, people ask me all the time, like, you know, like what, you know, what's your mindset? Like, what are your thoughts like? And that's obviously that's a major part of this conversation too. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, I, you know, I've been able to get a, uh, maybe a bigger degree of control over my social anxiety, over my extreme shyness through just addressing the biochemistry that's going on under the hood because that really almost controls parts of your nervous system that controls how your brain chemicals are being secreted. And so I find that if you can have that as a foundation, it's, it's much easier to have the right thoughts. It's much easier to begin to form a better mindset. It's much easier to begin to, you know, slowly communicate and express yourself in conversations. And so that's what I would say to people. Those are the, some of the two biggest sort of knobs that can move the needle forward uh, in your life that's, in terms of this. That's amazing <laughs> advice. And it's um, not what I was expecting you to tell us about, um, which makes it even more brilliant because I, I don't think we've ever talked about gut microbiomes on the show before. And yet it will make such good sense. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and I feel like there's so much more to discuss and we've got so much more to learn from you. So I know that um, everyone needs to go and buy your book, um, Screw Being Shy, as soon as possible, <laughs> so that we can read more about your journey and um, discover more of your tips and advice. Um, 
on how to um, overcome certain aspects of shyness and perhaps um, overcome social anxiety as well. Um, it's been a real honor. So thank you very much. Um, yeah, of course, Nadia. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I want to thank people out there for listening and especially if they made it this far too. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, kind of what you said before, if you're listening to this podcast, I mean, like you're obviously you shouldn't compare yourself to other people, but you're already ahead of like 99% of people because you're just trying to learn. You're just trying to like open the door to conversations. And that's always the first step. And so, yeah, I mean, people are free to, uh, to reach out to me anytime. Definitely let me know you came from this podcast. And Nadia, thank you for being such a great host. You're welcome. And thank you again, Mark. And um, I'll be back very soon with another episode of Shine Mighty. And as always, um, drop me a line if you've got any questions or you just want to have a a chat, a quiet chat. (laughs) I'll see you soon. Bye. The Shine Mighty Society is a safe place for shy people to shine. Learn specific techniques to help you improve your confidence and overcome limiting beliefs. Make quiet connections with people just like you. Coaching, support and encouragement to coax you out of the shadows and help you reach your goals. Head over to shinemighty.com to find out more.